You hear about these clowns? Yeah. You hear about the clown thing? What is that? So they're people dressing up as clowns. And they just pretend to be, like, really freaky and scary. And then people panic. But have they actually done anything? Like, hurt anybody? No. They... Someone thought they saw a clown at a Penn State, and it incited a riot. So people were out looking for clowns, and they didn't really find any. Monday, October 10th, and I'm Ryan. Just kidding, I'm Sandy. Wait a second. (laughs) I'm Davis. And I'm Curtis. And this is Pixels Weekly, a podcast that makes you smile, and Ryan's away, so we've taken over. We've taken over. The the parents are gone. What's the saying? I don't know. When the parents are away, kids kids will play. I think the, the cat's away, the mice will play. The cat's away, the mice will play. That sounds right. I don't know if that's right or not, it, but it, it, I, well, it we'll, go, we'll go with it that. Applies, but it sounds like a saying. <laughs> well, well, if we're trying to prove to Ryan that we can uh, we can hold down the fort with him gone, we're doing a fantastic job yeah. so far. <laughs> Ryan would be the dad and Yannick would be our mom. Oh, God, that's a scary picture. <laughs> <laughs> I, All right. I think it works. And for you guys that usually know, and for you guys that are coming back, we like to start the show off with the hodgepodge, and it's what's in our minds and what's in our hearts, as Ryan would like to say. In my case, it's all the fun stuff that we like to do. Uh, Let's kick it off with Curtis. All right. All right. So I've been thinking about this for a couple days, and it just hit me that the Xbox Play Anywhere thing is like... Like one of my favorite things to happen in the past couple of years. Like, Absolutely, man. It like to me, it doesn't make too much of a difference because I already had an Xbox and a PC, and I figured, no, that's a nice little bonus to be able to play it on either. But what it's done is like allowed me to play with a couple of my friends that don't have Xboxes are yeah. going to buy Gears of War now when that comes out. And yeah, Davis, you have Forza on the PC. We were able to yep. play that for a while the other day, and like. Just the fact, because I, I know like a number of people that are, you know, this sort of PC master race mindset that refuse to get an Xbox, but there's so many good titles that come out on the Xbox that I want to play with these people. So, yeah. like, just having that there is such an awesome thing, and it's going to make Gears of War that much more awesome when it does come out. Wait, and you said it, like, hit you, and that's kind of the same, like, realization. I think, like, when I first read about it or heard about it, I was kind of like, oh, like, that's neat. That sounds like Microsoft trying to take over the you know the gaming industry for all practical purposes but I, it wasn't until i like experienced that it yeah it hit like hit me and i was like oh my god yeah this it is just game changing it, it sort of just works like playing together too like using the xbox app on pc i was sort of surprised at how easy it was to set up a party between all of us and, and get that going absolutely well we we had a an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about kind of like the current state of consoles and we talked a little bit about the Xbox Play Anywhere and stuff but I sort of like commented that I think that Microsoft's trying to like blur the lines of what a console is and in that regard absolutely like I'm sitting here with my big old PC but between the Xbox Live like achievements the Xbox Live chat that we were in while playing Forza together the other night and the fact that I'm playing Forza with you and you're on an Xbox and I'm on a PC 
I feel like I'm on a console. Like I like the whole entire PC aspect of my PC disappears and I feel like I'm just on an Xbox. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. And then I think the one other bonus that we might see from it is like like traditionally a lot of games that came out on the Xbox first and then moved to PC like Gears of War or something like just performed really terribly on PC by the time they did get there. I think even like the remaster of Gears of War 1 had this problem. But but Forza held up pretty well on, on my machine, and I've been looking into the Gears of War, and apparently on, on my hardware, which is like a 970, you can get like 60 frames per second on Ultra in that game. Yeah, so, absolutely. So we'll, we won't have this problem of people that get the shitty PC port from, from a console <laughs> game, sort of an yeah. afterthought. Or at least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, it's I definitely benefit from it because I own a PC and I don't own an Xbox. So as you mentioned, like we were able to play games together, and that's pretty awesome. But I also wonder, like, just from observation, it seems like, and you can definitely comment on this more because you do own both, but it seems like the person who owns both also benefits from it in that, like you said, like, you, if you have an Xbox playing style where you like to kind of be on the couch with your controller in your hands, doing something more relaxing, and you're okay with, like, the 30 frames per second with your current Xbox that you're going to get on, like, a Gears of War, or if you want to, like, get hardcore and sit down at your desk and bump up to 60 fps like there's an added benefit that you get to do that and not have to worry about like transferring data or like losing data or having to buy multiple copies of the game yeah and it it works great because i just tried it today on forza and it took about a minute to load up my save from my pc when i hadn't touched on xbox at all and it it is nice to bounce back and forth between like sitting at a desk using a computer and then like you know sitting at your couch with a controller it's a bit of a different feel yeah i'm i'm excited to see it seems like we're not the only people who are reacting really positively to it. And I'm excited to see how it sort of shakes up the console industry. And I want to see how Sony responds. Um, and if like Nintendo even can try to respond, I feel like Nintendo's so far off in the other direction at this yeah. point that they're not even thinking about this, but I really want to see what Sony, what Sony does to respond to this or if they have any answer, right? Like Microsoft definitely has like the upper hand here in that they already control like the operating system on both sides. Yeah, my guess is Sony will come out with some sort of portal thing, like you know, like a Battle.net launcher, for example. Yeah, but uh, you know, Microsoft definitely has the advantage here right now, and I don't expect much from Nintendo. Sandy, you're just on a PC, right? You don't own an Xbox. I'm just on a PC. I have a PlayStation Four, and we're yeah. not going to buy an Xbox until next year. But that's yeah. that's a big thing. Like everyone here is a big. Gears of War fan so we have friends who have it on the Xbox and we have friends who only play on the PC so being able to play everyone with a mixture of PCs and consoles is really exciting yeah yeah so you're in the same boat as I am I have a a PS4 and then I most recently built the PC as our listeners know but um, yeah so you know you said you're going to wait until next year I'll be interested to see a year from now if you're still feeling like there's even a need to pick one up yeah it's my birthday present to me yeah so so, I'm gonna, so that's, I'm gonna is, <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair and i think even if even if there are like even if you don't necessarily there's not like a clear reason to have both like if you are a lover of the industry and a lover of consoles there is something like beautiful about that single piece of hardware that's meant for that single purpose so like i i definitely even though i'm like really loving the fact that i have a pc that can sort of double as an xbox I sort of in the back of my mind, I'm starting to think like, oh man, maybe if I just see one that's like on a sweet deal or something, especially these days, I don't even need like an S or whatever Scorpio is when it comes out, but I'd be happy to pick up like a first gen Xbox one. 
But have you guys seen some of the Xbox One S's that are coming out? There's like two Gears of War ones. That I did see look that. Look awesome. Like, yeah. I, I'm just guessing that they're going to come out with like every color for every possible game that comes out, which is sort of sweet. Yeah, opinion. so maybe that's what it is. Like, if you're Microsoft and in, in this, you don't want this play anywhere thing to cannibalize your Xbox sales. Maybe the solution now is to like find other ways to make the Xbox appealing. It's not so much about the games anymore and the 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 ecosystem with your friends that are on Xbox. It's more about like the device itself. Yeah, and and they already have the thing where you can stream from your Xbox to your PC, and it'd be interesting to see if they go the other way and sell like a less powerful Xbox, but that just serves as a steaming. So sorry, streaming machine like the Steam machine. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> That's a, a funny uh, play on words that I don't feel like I've seen Steam use. The, the Steam streamer, the, the stream machine. Um, awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'll uh, I'll go next. So um, I feel like you know you're playing too many video games if there's such thing. When you start having video game dreams, do you guys ever have video game dreams? Do you ever find yourself having like vivid dreams about video games or like playing video games yeah i mean that's happened to me it's usually when i'm sick though for some reason <laughs> <laughs> they're not good dreams it's fever dreams <laughs> like nightmarish no. fever video game dreams oh the um, thing is i don't actually enjoy the games no uh no i've so, had those before certainly uh what about you sandy you have video game dreams i i have a lot of weird dreams um video game <laughs> dreams work-related dreams dreams work-related video game dreams do you have them both at the same time <laughs> it's it's a thing I like yeah. usually it's Yannick yelling about something and then biting people, which is totally normal. It's totally normal. And I'm just like, what is happening? Is this? And it feels so real. Like I feel I'm awake and this is happening. And I'm like, this can't be real. And then my cat like bites me and I'm like, oh, thank God it's not. <laughs> well, uh, I had a couple notable video game dreams this week, and they were actually so notable that I literally took notes on them. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys saw, but so TwitchCon was this past week, and uh, Final Fantasy displayed some new gameplay footage. And I had watched that gameplay footage. Um, basically, like a couple of the like marketing reps from Square Enix came out at TwitchCon and displayed some gameplay footage, and they had a couple like, streamers come out and play. And so I'd watched that. And that night, um, I remember having like vivid dreams about playing Final Fantasy, and I found it really interesting because I think if you talk to Ryan, he's sharing like a little bit of like a similar sentiment where we're like we're approaching that game with like what we would call like skeptical optimism, where like we want that thing to be so good and it has looked so good so far, but I'm not touching that game until multiple positive reviews come out. I'm talking like nines and above, just because it's one of those things where it's like almost in the same bucket as last guardian at this point where it's been so long in development and it's so rumored that I just feel like there's no way it's going to be able to live up to the hype that I have in my head for it. But anyways, so I was essentially playing like the same footage that they displayed, which was kind of showing, um, some of the new, uh, magic spells that I guess Noctis is his name, right? Uh, the main character in final fantasy 15, they were showing some of the new spells that he has, but in my version of the game, the pixels and the graphics were like PlayStation one quality. <laughs> so it was like the same footage that I watched in the TwitchCon video, but it was like, like original Tomb Raider quality. And I remember just being like demoralized. And the thing was, I wasn't playing like demo footage. I had purchased the game. It was like my worst nightmare come true. I've been waiting for this game for so long. I purchased it. I think I had even pre-ordered it in the dream. 
and then I go and I turn it on and it's like 2016 and the graphics look like they're, you know, out of like an N64. <laughs> yeah. Someone probably had that dream about the latest Tony Hawk and then it was actually true when it came. <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe not even, I, the thing is like luckily we have seen game footage and that game, the Final Fantasy does look pretty stunning so far. But that was an interesting one. And then uh, a couple nights later, uh, I had a Nintendo NX dream. And so a lot of publications and people in the know suspected that Nintendo was going to come out in September and say something more about the NX and give us like some more details because like supposedly it should be hitting around like holiday time, but they didn't come out with anything. Um, so like to this date, all we know about the NX is that it is uh, going to be some sort of mashup between a portable like handheld and a like in-home console. They kind of like talk about it being something that you can take with you. Um, and, uh, and that in combination with the, uh, Super Mario run announcement at the Apple event where there's going to be this like tap run game on your iPhone for Super Mario. So I had this dream where I had a Nintendo NX and I was holding a controller and I was playing Super Mario run, but it was on my television. And I was doing that for like some period of time. Like who knows? It's dreams. You don't know how much time goes by. But I'm like playing the game on the TV, and I'm using a controller. And so it's basically like super regular Super Mario, like on the on the uh, the SNES at this point. But then all of a sudden, like somebody calls me, and it's like time to go somewhere. And this is where like the portable aspect of the NX comes in. So I like I'm like oh god, I've got to go, but I want to keep playing this game. And so I look down at my console. And it's just my iPhone plugged into like this big white box, like iHome <laughs> style. Like my iPhone is playing Super Mario Run and it's just plugged into this like square white box on the floor. And like to order to like take this thing with me, I just unplug my iPhone and now I'm just playing Super Mario Run on my on my iPhone. So as far as I can tell, based on my dreams, the Nintendo NX is just a device that you plug your iPhone into and then it streams the video to your television. So we can Could all look forward imagine? to, uh, yeah, I mean, not only can I imagine, but like, I don't even know necessarily how far off that could possibly be. Like, again, the, you know, I don't think we're going to be finding anything with like absolutely like stunning graphic quality that they show us. I think they, it, in, in, in like classic Nintendo fashion, I think it's going to be more about like form than function. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'm not uh, predicting the future here. If you but, um, were, you'd be like, you'd be better than Walter Mercado. You don't know who Walter Mercado is. Um, I, don't, I don't think I do. No. And it's actually, so I'm Latina, guys, and it's Hispanic Heritage Month. And this is my Hispanic Heritage Month information for you all. All right, Walter Mercado is actually a, um, a psychic, and he's always appearing after the news in Spanish mm -hmm. TV, and he just predicts the future. <laughs> For your like astrological sign, and the big one, the one that he did recently was predicting that if Donald Trump won, it would throw the world into like crazy chaos, and that he should just like That's not drop a far out of the race. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but everyone, all the little like grandmas and moms who are really into this guy will watch him and go, "Oh my God, you have! If he dreamt it, it's going to happen." And you're like, this is not scientifically possible. But they're like, no, no, no. He's always right. And I'm like, all right. That's okay. That's how that works. So what did he what? say about the NX? 
Oh, I don't. I don't know. I have to. I'll do some research and I'll get back and be like, "This is what he he was in." Davis's dream. He gave. Yeah, Davis if he and I, idea. if he and I have the same prediction, we're we're operating on some sort of wavelength here. Exactly. Um, that's funny. What what is his name again? It's uh Walter Mercado. So it's M E R C A D O. Okay. All right, I'm gonna look this guy up. That's my like super American way of saying his last name. I know. I like how you changed the way you said it after announcing that you were Latina. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm also I'm also American, guys. I'm both. <laughs> you can do it both ways. <laughs> I can't. I, <laughs> I can't. I can both ways. Um, yeah. So uh, crazy uh, Nintendo and Final Fantasy dreams, and then like uh, Curtis said, we've just been playing an outrageous amount of Forza. We don't need to talk about Forza more in this podcast, but it's so good. <laughs> but it is oh, great. Well, you, the, one, the one thing I will mention is, and and Curtis alluded to this in talking about his Xbox Play Anywhere, but but he and I and Ryan. It, oh my god! It must have been like four a.m. Eastern time. When oh, it was four a.m. Eastern. Yeah. I'm so, sure. so, so Ryan was in New York visiting <laughs> Curtis and uh, staying over at Curtis's place, and I'm uh, playing Forza on my PC, and I noticed that they're both, or at least I think I noticed at least Curtis was on Discord, and so I like absolutely start trolling the two of them. And I'm like, Curtis, you own a PC, right? And he's like, Yeah. I'm like, Well, and you also own an Xbox, right? He's like, yeah, and I'm like, and you own Forza, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, then why are the two of you not on those respective devices playing Forza with me right now? <laughs> so, uh, so Curtis and Ryan got Forza downloaded on the Xbox, and then by that point, I think it was like 11 o'clock Eastern time, and then we played until like 4 a.m. And that there's there's like a co-op campaign now where like you and your friends online can like participate in the normal like campaign races and stuff, and it was a ton of fun. We like bought Teslas and souped them up. Which is super fun because that that game is traditionally just that sound of like engines roaring, like but when you play with the Teslas, it's just like a quiet hum of like an electronic it's great. Uh, engine. It was really, really it makes me want to play Tesla all the time because I'm more interested <laughs> in hearing the radio than the car. Exactly, right? Like for the first time you can hear the radio over like the, the, the buzz of your supercars. Um, yeah, so that's my hodgepodge. What do you got for us, Sandy? I've got the infamous Lizard Squad. Remember last year when Sony and Microsoft were down during the holidays? That was fun. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was because of the Lizard Squad. And what they did is they DDoSed. For you guys that don't know, DDoS is Distributed Denial Service Attack. Uh, I service. totally said that incorrectly. You guys can correct um, me. I, I was yeah. like, no, 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 you're, 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 you're close enough. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's basically like, like spamming a network. Uh, with requests to prevent other people from making requests. So basically the result of which is anyone who wants to use that service, so like PSN, that service becomes unavailable because it's like one botnet that's like spamming the crap out of PSN so nobody else can use it. It's like, for context, it's like all the fools at Comic-Con trying to get through one door. That's what a DDoS is. God damn. Yeah. Guys, it's been so rough. (laughs) So anyways, so yeah, Wizard Squad, DDoS, what about them? But... They're actually, um, federal charges have been brought up against, mm. and they're, they're actually two teenagers, but they're being charged <laughs> with cyber crimes because the cyber attacks were so significant and it was so deliberate. You're deliberately denying people a service, you're denying companies revenue, and the sole purpose of this is to be malicious. So it is, it has been defined as a crime. And one of the teenagers has to go in front of a judge in Chicago 
to go, hey, what, why'd you do that, kid? And then he'll probably serve jail time. Honestly, in my opinion, as he should. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Like, I get that games are a hobby. And so for us consumers who, like, get denied the service of using PSN while they're doing that, like, oh, no, we can't, like, you know, play our, like, little guilty pleasure. At the same time, like, we spend money on those games. But, uh, you know, it, it's not like they're preventing us from playing those games forever. It's just during that period of time. But at the same time, like, they are absolutely blocking revenue from a business. And, like, for what reason, right? Right. Like, it would be one thing if, like, Sony and or Microsoft had committed some atrocities on, like, a humane level that, you know, warranted somebody attacking them. But... You know, who knows? But uh, I don't ever feel like when those things happen that they're like being done for any reason other than two teenagers seemingly like sitting in a room thinking it would be funny. And it's also multiple companies like Battle um, Battle.net was down a few weeks ago. Blizzard had a whole thing with dealing with DDoSs. And during the holidays specifically, when... You're you're taking time off with your friends and family, and you, you just want to play this game that you'll got you'll coordinating, and all of a sudden you can't play for a month. You've lost that time. If you're on PTO, you're not getting that money. If you try to take some more time off to spend with your friends, and it's affecting a lot more things than just these two gaming giants that we see. So it it has repercussions in smaller levels that. These kids, because they're kids, are unaware of. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think about it that way, but I think you're right. They, they do tend to do this during periods of time where there's probably a high likelihood that somebody took some time off, that they've decided to like make other sacrifices to free up some time for them to enjoy this hobby, and now you are like preventing them from doing that, which has like both financial and like other opportunity costs. Time yeah. is money. That's that's the lesson here. And if you think you're going to get away with it, you're not. You're going to get caught. Yeah, seriously. And then you're you're at uh you're at Comic-Con in New York this week, right? I am at Comic-Con. Um which brings us to our topic of discussion. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Latina. Wizard Squad DDoS. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Latina. Wizard Squad DDoS. It's great. <laughs> Video games and pop culture and how we spend our money, which is something that we've talked about before in the show, but we haven't discussed it with you guys. And we also haven't discussed it in the larger sense of how it's all encompassing in our lives. So I am at New York Comic Con this weekend, and plugs, if you follow us on Twitter at PixelsCast, and on Instagram at PixelsWeekly, you get to see all the fun cosplay, and all the stuff that will be coming out that I've pre-ordered, kind of, (laughs) maybe. Yeah, no, the the, the feed that you've got going on this week is fantastic. Some of those shots of those uh, cosplayers is really great. And I'll also and have something on our website, pixelsweekly.com, of a absolutely. recap. Going back to Comic-Con, there's a huge video game presence. A ton of Overwatch cosplayers. All the artists in Artist Alley are doing artwork for Overwatch. 
and Capcom has a huge booth. Square Enix has a huge booth. And Twitch has a whole section just devoted to them and their panels and gaming and all that fun stuff. And Capcom, I said Capcom Bandai with Tekken 7, they also have a booth. So for a convention that's supposed to be about comics, I've spent more money on video game paraphernalia, video game toys, and spent more time playing video games than actually doing comic related things. Absolutely. And and then and you had also mentioned to us that uh in with regards to like the amount of money that that people are spending on this video game paraphernalia that the artists that are creating this like Overwatch art and and other art related to video games specifically, so not comic art but like video game art, like they make more from selling this content than they do from their like day Yeah, jobs. it's literally no hesitation. It's like, oh, you've got a Reaper print, you've got a Diva print, you've got a Final Fantasy print. Anything that's video game related, people are just dropping money. I've seen more nerds walking around with video game stuff than like your typical Marvel DC. And the artist that we're actually sitting next to, he's a great guy, super talented. He's top of a New York Times bestselling list for comics and for art and he's like Overwatch has been my top seller since it launched and I'm like my mind has been blown I'm like what not terribly surprised that there is so much video game presence at Comic-Con I feel like uh, from what I understand that Comic-Con in recent years has certainly deviated away from its like original purpose of serving the comic book industry and has sort of like opened itself to general pop culture that like the nerd likes to follow and i would imagine that if you like sort of like let that free market of nerd pop culture reign that like the video game industry is probably at some point going to overpower the other parts of it like the video game industry is a, a massive, massive industry that that makes a lot of money, comparatively to other uh, industries in pop culture, and so I'm not surprised, uh, and I won't be surprised to to see Comic Con become more and more and more about about video games and the the video game development studios and and the games themselves. But yeah, you have an incredible collection of video game toys, Sandy, and uh, obviously. I think there's probably a lot of financial value in, in like what you have no. and you've probably put a lot of I mean, like, like it's, no really it's my financial value the, the thing is I also used to work at a, a toy store it's closed now so that makes me sad Aww. but uh, I used to work at F.A.O. Shores and that's like the iconic New York City toy store that's gone forever yeah womp, womp. because the rent's too damn high seriously but let's take for example a Funko Pop. It retails anywhere from ten to twelve dollars. It costs about two to five dollars to make, mm-hmm. and this is including cost of goods, cost of materials, and importing it to the states and then selling it to the retailers. All that is included in there. So the markup on these things are anywhere from fifty to eighty percent. Yeah. And then you've got resellers reselling it. It's just the price is super arbitrary. You put collectible on it, it doesn't really mean it's collectible. It just means that you can market it to someone who's going to go, oh, I have to have it now. And 
that's kind of how I operate. If I see something that I really want, I have to have it. Otherwise, it sells out, and then I get really upset at myself. <laughs> so I have spent a lot of money on games, and it started with Bioshock. Yeah. And it started with Bioshock Collector's Edition. Then Bioshock 2 came out. There was an, uh, an Adam syringe that I had to have. And my fiance got that for me for Christmas. But I have the Little Sisters. I have almost all of the Big Daddies that were released by NECA. And NECA is a toy company that releases like pop culture, video game, really toys. They do... Mm-hmm portal they do assassin's creed they they do pretty much everything yeah and i got the the mask for the splicer and i i just had to have everything and i had a really good bioshock collection and then i fell in love with more ips and then i had to have more of that stuff and it's kind of put me in this place where i have to kind of rotate everything i have because i have so much of it yeah and you want to be able to like enjoy it, all of it at some point, right? Yeah, like I have a, a Blizzard shelf. Uh, you guys have seen that, and yeah, I've definitely seen pictures of Blizzard. I think that's it's, my favorite awesome. shelf of all the shelves that you have. <laughs> and there's a company called Sideshow Collectibles, and they actually made a Tychus and a Jim Rayner statue. Like these things are huge; they light up. They're gorgeously detailed. They're really nice. They're five hundred dollars, and I bought that as a gift for my fiance for Christmas. It went from like, oh, ten dollars, that's that's a good price, to twenty dollars, not bad. Fifty, okay. Sixty, sure. Two hundred, no, no problem. Five hundred, yeah. just take my money, just take it. <laughs> I'm just making it rain. Well, yeah. So I think um, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, and and I'm glad you mentioned Bioshock. I think I think at some point we want to sort of like take this discussion towards specifically like the amount of money we spend on games themselves and like sort of maybe the value that we place on that. But, but when you are, you know, you have decided that this is, uh, the, the toys and the other memorabilia that you, that you purchase regarding the games and the game franchises that you love. And you've decided to, to make this a priority for places that you'd like to spend your, you know, funny money, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, what is it? What is it that you love so much, and 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 what is it that drives you to to make you feel comfortable, you know, spending money? I think I th- in in that in that area. I think we all have these like sort of like guilty pleasures of places that we like to spend our money, and that maybe like larger society sees as like a weird place to spend that much money, but we do it anyways. I just watched this documentary on uh, Netflix called Sneakerheads, and it's all about the sneakerhead culture, which like. God, you think we spend a lot of money on video games if you would see some of the, the, the Nike shoe collections that these people have. But anyways, like, so Sandy, like when, when you've decided that this is a place that you enjoy spending your time and money, like what is it that, what's the biggest value that you get out of it? Why, why do you love being in that space? You know, the big thing is the story behind the game mm-hmm. and kind of the way the game makes you feel. So for Bioshock, spoiler alert for you guys who haven't played it, you can either have a really good ending a really bad ending and it's kind of those decisions that you make within the game that gets you to that ending and that to that like em- emotional end mm-hmm. and you're like all right I feel good I've connected with this character I've dealt deep into this character I started reading some of Anne Ryan Ryan's writings because I wanted to know 
why Ken Levine went the way he did. It's a, it's a lot of those things like I agree with Andrew Ryan to an extent, but I also don't. And it, it's all these emotions that you have within you all the time. And then they get surfaced differently via game. And you're like, this is really weird. I like where this is going. And I can see that in this weird array of terrible things, I can always make the right decisions. And right decision for Bioshock was saving little sisters and kind mm-hmm. of giving them a second chance of life. And you're like, okay, that makes me feel good. I'm not as terrible as I thought I was. So let me surround myself with all the things <laughs> that make me feel good. Yeah, that's totally fair. Curtis, do you do you dabble in the like paraphernalia and memorabilia that surrounds a game, or do you strictly limit your game expenditures to games themselves? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've occasionally bought like you know a T-shirt for a game that I really liked or something. Gears of War, I really loved it at the time, so I have a couple Gears of War things. But you now, generally, I just spend my money on games, and and I don't even think I spend too much on many games. I think. A lot of my money probably goes into like the stuff surrounding my game experience. So like, I have a nice TV. I just bought a new monitor. Yeah. I, like that. The stuff that like every time you play a game, you're using these things. You know, like a gaming mm-hmm. mouse, the mechanical keyboard, all that sort of stuff that you don't need, but just makes it a little bit nicer. Yeah. That's probably actually where the majority of my money goes because I've spent you know probably a thousand hours with League of Legends and haven't paid a dollar for that game. So, <laughs> I, like I don't always feel like I need to spend the money to get more time out of a game necessarily. Yeah, well, I think that that's a a really good point that you bring up. I think sort of what you've highlighted here, Sandy, is that you know there's so much more than just the games themselves that we spend money on in this industry and like peripherals and the hardware specifically that we use to to play these things and have these experiences is additionally like a really big if not like the biggest cost there right um yeah curtis you got that uh that widescreen monitor right i'm really really jealous that you've got that for forza it's this thing is awesome i mean the the biggest problem with it is that like just the increased resolution means i'm getting less frames per second and sort of pushing it on some games but it's for games that support it it's it's like my favorite way to play yeah for sure it's funny that you bring up like free-to-play games because Dota 2 is free-to-play, very similar to League of Legends. But I've also sunk in hundreds of dollars into that game, and I don't play that game at all. Like, I know the mechanics, I know the heroes, and I know what needs to be done to win a game. However, because I'm so invested into the esports scene for Dota, I'm more than happy to just throw money at it to make sure that it continues. Yeah, well, so what's interesting there is you've got you got two people, Curtis and you, Sandy, who have totally different financial experiences with, like, the same free-to-play genre of game. And uh, both absolutely valid, like, decisions that you, that you make in those spaces, um, yet, like I said, completely different, which is interesting. But... Yeah, I think there's definitely also something about what you just said, Sandy, which is like wanting to support the maybe it's the the development studio or the industry itself at like at a larger, broader uh, concept. But um, yeah, absolutely. I I I think I probably find myself somewhere in between you two, where um, I don't necessarily 
feel like I spend a, a, a lot of money in this space, but I spend a decent amount. And not only that, but I feel like I'm a little more free with my willingness to to spend money here and there on a game. Um, so with Forza most recently, that's the Forza is the first time that I have these days all games sort of come out in this tiered pricing system, all big games at least, right? So it's no longer just that like standard de facto $60 version of the game. You always have some sort of like deluxe version which is another 20 bucks and then an ultimate version or something that's another like 20 or 30 bucks and so with forza for the first time i got the ultimate edition and thank god i am absolutely head over heels for that game because i feel like i I feel very validated in that decision i get some extra cars i get a whole bunch of extra like credits and xp as i'm playing the game and stuff um and so i enjoy that but uh yeah, I, I, I think I probably, I, I'm not quite as like I could play a game for hundreds of hours and not spend a dollar on it, but I'm also not quite as like willing to spend a ton of money on a game that I don't necessarily play as much. But sort of to like turn the conversation towards games themselves and what they cost. So like I said, a lot of games these days are coming out with these like tiered systems where, like I said, it's no longer that standard $60. Um, do you guys, when you see these tiered systems, do you even steer towards the upper tiers of them or do you stick to that $60 price point and and even then do you feel like that $60 price point is valid all the time I think it depends on the game yeah Dishonored I have the collector's edition pre-ordered but that's because it Dishonored 2 comes with Dishonored so I want to play the first game before I can play the second one and all the little perks in it makes it seem like it's a game that I want to play and for Overwatch I what was the the middle one not the collectors but the one in between it's like a limited it, it doesn't matter yeah I'm not sure well on, yeah. $60 with, with, on PC right exa- well yeah what's yeah. funny there is it, it would have been $60 on PC whereas the lowest tier on PS4 was uh, 60 itself and the only reason I got that one was because I wanted Winston as a pet in World of Warcraft <laughs> so for Blizzard games I'll always pay for the collector's edition of any game World of Warcraft because I've always gotten the collector's edition since I started playing the game 10 years ago and now it's like they do cross game gifts mm-hmm. so I have I have to get the wings for Diablo and I have to get the pets and I have to get the portraits for Starcraft and for every other game then this is where I become a little bit more frugal and I just go, I'll wait for this Steam sale yeah. or Humble Bundle. Yeah, I think for me, it's it also depends on the game. Like, it has to be a game I really have anticipated wanting, usually something where I've seen a lot of gameplay to like pre-order before it comes out or just part of a series that I know I'm going to love. Like like Gears of War. Like, I've, I've loved that series since the beginning, minus that one that wasn't numbered, whatever that was called. Um, yeah, oh, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, but but like four, I, I pre-ordered like as soon as I could, and like I'm going to get the upgrade to the special edition at some point because I just know it's a great game. Um, and it's not. There's a word judgment. Happens. Yeah, Is that sounds judgment? like yeah. it. Judgment. Down here, I think I played that one for about ten minutes. Um, <laughs> but. But no, like, I think it's probably like one or two games a year that, like, I'm excited enough about to, like, get the special edition and, and pre-order and do all of that extra stuff. But it's it's pretty rare. Yeah, I it, it's it's weird. I think 
when I think about like the $60 price point that is sort of the de facto, I think um, my first reaction is like, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that there's like a standard price point for, for games, right? Like there aren't a whole lot of other things where there's just like every single, I guess maybe music, right? Like on iTunes back when you still paid for music, um, like each thing was, each song was about 99 cents, right? So, so somehow the, the whole industry there decided that every piece of music was going to cost the same amount of money. Whereas that's kind of silly when you think about it. Like if I value one piece of music way more than another, like why, why should those be the same price? Or if, if an artist spends a lot more time developing uh, an album versus another artist, like should, should those still be the same price? And so I think inherently the fact that there's like a de facto $60 price point is a little weird. And then my second reaction is like, that's kind of a lot of money. Like, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't spend $60 on a movie. I don't spend, I certainly don't spend $60 on an, on an album of music, which I probably actually get more long, like longer lifetime value from. So I guess like $60 kind of has always felt like a, a lot to me, but at the same time, I think there are some games that I've paid $60 for and gotten so much enjoyment and value from that. I almost feel like maybe I, I would have spent a little bit more money for them. And so kind of when I'm looking at fours now where I bought that ultimate edition, I almost like I don't I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel cheated by it. I'm like almost glad that I put more money into that because I seem to really enjoy it. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I think 60 is actually a, a good price point. If you want to compare it to like movies, you say you pay ten dollars and you get the three hour movie, which I think is a lot if you're going yeah. to see a movie. I mean, then if you extrapolate that out, that's like what you should try and get. Um $60 will get you 18 hours out of a game to be the same. And I think most games that I purchase at the full $60 price point when they come out, I'm going to get at least 18 hours out of it. Yeah. Like, like I mean, unless it's a single player game, but then like you're still looking at at least like 12 hours. And it's, a, for me, an experience that I enjoy much more than like sitting down and watching a movie. It's like more engaging. Do you think it's just like hours of enjoyment that goes into value? Or do you think that there are other factors that come into it. So like, like these days you have something like journey, for instance, like I don't think anyone paid $60 for journey. I think I paid like 20 bucks for it. Actually. No, you know what? I, uh, I only played it recently and it was free with a trial of whatever PlayStation's like streaming of older games services. So yeah. I played that thing for free and then I just dropped that, uh, that <laughs> subscription before it started charging me money. But I think like in, in general journey was about 20 bucks and that's like a two hour game. Right. And, so is it like is that game twenty dollars because it's shorter, or are there other factors that go into why that game is cheaper than the regular sixty dollars? So so I guess like are there other things like maybe like graphics or story or how replayable a game is? Although I guess that kind of factors into hours. But are there other things that you think contribute to the price? I mean, I think it's you try to find for you like it's it's some ratio of how many hours think you're going to get out of it, and like are you like really going to like love the hours like. Journey is a, is a great game. Like, it's a tight experience. Like, you finish it, and you're like, oh, that that was nice. And, like, a lot of there's a lot of single-player games that do this, where, like, I may not get as many hours as I would out of a multiplayer game, but, like, if I'm playing a multiplayer game and I, like, lose a match online, like, that's not as fun to me. Like, I still had more hours in it, but, like, it, it can be it can be less fun than, than other games. If that It's a hard thing to quantify, so and mm-hmm. I think that's that's why it leads to certain people buying certain games versus other ones. But uh, hours is like the easiest thing to measure. It's yeah. so straightforward. So it's what I go to generally for measuring how worth it a game is. Yeah, for sure. 
I think you can also count replay value into that. Journey was a game. We bought it and we played it. We played it again because we wanted to see, am I going to play with another stranger? Am I going to play with somebody else? Am I going to have the same experience? Am I going to have a different experience? Where it kind of gives you that that replay value. And kind of comparing games to movies. If you go to the movie, you go to a big blockbuster and you go, you have to see it in IMAX 3D because it was filmed in IMAX 3D. Then you're tacking on an additional, the ticket goes from $10 to $20, $25 per person. And this depends if if the game is co-op or not. And Splatoon on the Wii U, as frustrating as that game is, $60, played it, got to play it with some friends, got to play it with Arya, and it's still slightly more enjoyable because I always have it here at home and in mm-hmm. my own the, my own personal comfort. I can be in pajamas. I can look like a total crazy person, and it's okay because I don't have to be outside in public, even yeah. though in public I look like a crazy person anyways. <laughs> so it, it's kind of that thing, too. It's like, is it bringing people together and... Bioshock is a single-player game, but that's a game that everyone has some sort of opinion on because of the way that game made them feel or the kind of story, the kind of technology, whatever went into it. Everyone has feelings about Bioshock, and I'm always starting a fight at work because of it. I'm like, it's the greatest game ever, and let let the fighting ensue. But I think that also speaks to how much the game is worth and Irrational Games is a huge studio compared to the studio that put out Journey which tends to be a lot smaller so if we think this back into the span of toys how large is that chain and how many people are involved the smaller the chain the cheaper the game the the longer that chain is the more expensive a game is going to become that's kind of how I gauge it and how I see, well, this is worth it because of X, Y, Z. And this is worth it because of this. Yeah. It's a very retail mindset for me. Well, I think what's also interesting is I think I think you're seeing more and more games come below that $60 price point. So I think Firewatch was cheaper. A lot of them are these cinematic games that are a lot shorter in general. Um, I paid like eight ninety nine for Virginia. I think I mentioned that last week. Um I think what was it? Um, was it Ratchet and Clank that came out recently? That was like by default fifty or forty or something. And yeah, and so I think 40. yeah, and so I think um, those those games are doing it. And I think that th- the risk they run is if you're a like if you're a small cinematic story like Firewatch, that's one thing. I don't think you have to worry about people having this reaction that, oh, you're you're not $60. Are you a good game or are you a bad game? Is that why you're cheaper? But I think maybe something like Ratchet, Ratchet & Clank, like those are traditionally big games that are at the same price as all the other games. And so like I think despite the reaction of that people usually have, which is like, oh, like why is that game less than all the other games that I pay for? Should, should I go into this game expecting it to be bad? So despite that stuff, those games seem to have succeeded in doing so. But you don't see any games... I at least haven't seen them other than the like deluxe and ultimate versions of these $60 games. You don't see a lot of games that are just like by default 80 bucks. Like there aren't a lot of games that are coming out that are just like we're 80 bucks and that's what you're going to pay for this game. 
Whereas, like, I, I think there might be some games that, that should be like that, right? Like, when you think about the amount of content and the amount of time and energy and enjoyment that someone has, like, put into and gotten out of something like The Witcher, um, yeah. like, should that have been an $80 game, like, right off the bat? And if they had done so, how would the community have reacted? I think that's where microtransactions and DLC come in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, if you include those, it, it already is maybe more than a $60 game. Right. Didn't The Witcher have DLC? The Witcher did have paid DLC, but also one of their big things was, like, there was a bunch of... There's a bunch of free DLC. DLC that was going to come out, yeah, for free. And that's yeah. why a lot of people really like the developers of The, the Witcher. Yeah, they had a whole, like, uh, there was an insert in the box for that game that, like, went through in bullet points, like, here's why we're not screwing you over, and included, like, we're going to release, like, this fixed number of DLC expansions that are not going to be paid for. That's how they bait you. (laughs) I really think it's a a really smart marketing thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, by the way, everyone is charging you for DLC, and we think that kind of sucks, so we're going to give you X amount of DLC for free. And then after that, we're going to have additional content, but you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. Does that sound like a good compromise? And people are like, yeah, yeah, that's totally, totally fine. I think it's great. It's, it's a really great marketing tactic. And I think that's something that Blizzard does really well with Heroes of the Storm. The game's free, but hey, look at these microtransactions. Mm-hmm. You can buy these heroes and play with them all the time. I've... I wanted to play as Shogal. I paid so I could play as Shogal. And the, the way I paid for that was to get the BlizzCon ticket for that year. And then I bought more stuff from BlizzCon. And yeah. it's just like, you guys are taking care of me, and that's great. And I'm going to reward that by giving you my money. I know. I like. I feel really good spending money on something I really enjoy. It's like... I, I like if you were to take some of the things that I love spending money on, I think like as much as people hate on like their collection size, I love Netflix. I think, I think Netflix is a fantastic service. Like for what I pay for Netflix, I feel like I get a ton out of it. Like there is so much content on there that I normally wouldn't get an opportunity to watch. Sure. Take my nine, nine, nine a month. Absolutely. And I love paying for it. Like I, I, that's a weird thing to say. Like, I think if they were to make it free, I like wouldn't feel as good about my consumption of Netflix. I enjoy the fact that I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are great. You produce an awesome product. Here's my money. And I think I feel the same way about some games as well, where like when I pay for wow, like, yeah, like the amount of enjoyment that game has given me, I love giving them my money. And like, if you're, if you're blizzard marketing person right now, you're sitting there smiling ear to ear right now. Hearing that. The fact that you've made something that people love paying you for. They don't just love playing. They love giving you money for it. Um, and in that regard, I think there are some games that are 60 bucks that I paid for where, like, if the developer had just been like, nah, it's 65 That's what we're charging for it. I wonder, like, is it just that all the other games that are 60 bucks would make me react to that and be like, no, that's crap. 60 bucks or nothing. Or or would I just gladly hand over the extra five bucks? I'm sure there'd be an outrage if someone priced a game above $60 because people are just going to assume that that's like setting the bar for that type of game to then be this much money. Like you're just... Which is kind of silly. Well, I mean, it is, but like, you know, that's the reaction that would come from most of the people on the internet and there'd be so much negative press. At least that's my expectation if someone were to do that. But it's like, we're going to make every single car a $20,000 car. Like, oh, you want like a a Toyota Camry, Camry, $20,000 car. You want a, you want a Mercedes, $20,000 car. And that's just like hilarious. Like if you were to say that, like most people would, would 
you know, laugh and think that's a joke. It's not the same deal where, like, you make one car more expensive than another car. The, the whole car industry doesn't just, like, throw their arms up in the air and say, well, that's crap. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a weird comparison to make because games have always been a set yeah. price or someone comes out with something that's cheaper by default, and that's the surprising thing. Yeah, have games always... I, I'm trying to think, like... So I started gaming, for the most part, with the, the first generation of, like, PlayStation. And those were $60 discs, right? I think they were 50 I think it was when the Xbox 360 and PS2 came out that games gotcha. jumped to 60 Because I know the... Um, I think you might be right, because weren't the N64 cartridges 40 Wasn't that, like, one of the appeals of the 64? Or was it the cartridges were cheaper? Uh, I mean, at that point, I wasn't old enough to pay for my own stuff, so I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. I think that's the other thing. Like, I think age definitely factors into how much you're willing to spend for games. As a kid, you were on a budget. This is, you have X amount of money, and you either save it, and you get the game you want, or you spend it, and you're SOL. And as out of the three of us, I'm the oldest, which is why I'm just like, yeah, I don't, whatever, just take my money. I'm stimulating the economy. But I, I think that's also a, a factor into it. You factor age, you factor inflation. Um, before the current console that we're in, I'm pretty sure games on Atari were maybe like $80, Yeah. As technology gets better, things get cheaper. It's kind of the way things should be going, but it, it is interesting that games have kind of maintained this plateau of $60. Despite yeah, inflation, right? You'd think at, like at some point, and maybe DLC, like you mentioned, like a game that you spend another 20 bucks in DLC on actually is an $80 game. So maybe that's their way of like sort of dealing with inflation, which I'm sort of fine with. What I love about DLC, as much as I don't like a lot of how microtransactions work, which is, in, in my opinion, like anything that is any form of play to win, like, yeah, forget about it. I'm out. But a lot of things are like extra content, which is like single player content or extra aesthetic things. And I'm totally down with that. And what I like about that is like I get to experience the game at its base level. And then based off of my enjoyment or lack thereof, I can decide whether I want to spend more money when they decide to come out with more content. So how do you feel about those sort of in-between cosmetic stuff and what you call play to win? Like WoW has, you know, give us $60 and we'll give you a level 100 character boost or other games are like, give us X amount of money. We'll increase the size of your inventory on your characters, stuff like that, that helps you in the game, but like doesn't really give you a competitive advantage. Yeah, I it's it's. It's tough. I'm like I said, I'm totally down with the aesthetic stuff. Anything that actually gives you a competitive advantage, that's crap. I'm not even going to play that game. But the stuff that's in between, you're right. Like a level 100 character boost. I don't know. I'm not going to spend money on it. That's that's Do how I, I felt at first, and then I spent money on it because <laughs> it takes so long to level, and you play it, a new character. You're like, I want to be playing this at the end game because I, I, when you've leveled like four characters in WoW, you just don't want to do it again unless you're a very specific type of person. That's true. So I, I love that that's like an option in the game, and I wish well, like that sort of stuff was in more games actually. So I won't uh, I won't rag on you for it because I do know that you've leveled a lot of characters the good old fashioned way, and I think my reaction is like I'm not going to spend money on it, and I'm not necessarily going to like look down on you for doing it. But if, if the only character you have in WoW is something that you purchased a level boost for, I just feel bad for you. Yeah. Like, like I have loved every single inch of content in that game, and the fact that you don't get to experience that all the, like, more traditional way, I guess I just feel bad for you. The stuff like an inventory boost, like, 
yeah, whatever. Like, I, I, I don't want to, like, feel restricted in the game by not spending money on something like that. If I have to, like, if, if my game is a painful experience because if I don't pay for this, like, inventory thing, then I don't get to, like, hold on to a bunch of stuff. Like, that sucks. Like, don't charge me for that. It didn't cost you anything to make that. You literally increased a number. And in, in that regard, I don't care too much for that stuff. But I guess, like, the, with the other stuff, I'm, I, I'm not going to spend money on it, but I, I, I won't necessarily, like, knock you for All it. Right. Yeah, I think, I think I've only seen the inventory boost in, and I think it was Path of Exile, which is, it's a free game. So, like, in order to make any money, you have to buy something. You have yeah. to have the, the players buying something. So I don't have so much of a problem with it there. But, yeah, I, I guess, mean, like... There's very few games I find that have an actual, like, give us money and you get a gun that's better in, like, a PvP, you know, shooter. Like, I think that's gone away for the most part, unless there's something you guys can think of more recently. I want I want to hear, so I know, I want to hear what, what, what Sandy's thoughts are in this, because I know that she has spent a... A little bit of money on loot boxes in Overwatch, but <laughs> before I get yeah. to the, 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 oh, yeah. the, the last the last <laughs> thing I'll say there is um, I really respect the creative aspect of making a video game, and in the same way that I don't put a case on my iPhone because I want to hold my iPhone the way that Johnny Ive intended me to. So I want to <laughs> I want to play <laughs> yeah, a video game. <laughs> I want to play a video game the way that the game designer intended me to play it, and so my problem with. Uh, paid content or paid extra stuff in the game is like i don't know i don't know what to buy and what not to buy to achieve that level of like i want to play the game that you had in your head and like either sell that to me up front or tell me exactly what i'm supposed to buy of this extra crap that you're selling me because i want to play the game that you want me to play and i sort of like i like to throw caution in the wind and and let the game designer make those decisions for me and sometimes like paid for content and and paid for extra stuff in a game i i I find it hard to figure out what exactly it is i'm supposed to buy and what what game i'm supposed to be playing but i definitely want to hear sandy your thoughts on this i was just the one thing that i was thinking about is curtis do you have any physical games like Uh, discs yeah i well (laughs) it's funny it actually ties into this conversation all of the games that i own for xbox or that are on disc which is most of them i bought on disc because best buy has like a 20 percent off buy a new game from us program <laughs> so it's cheaper to buy it on disc and if you want to like trade it in later you get a little bit more value out of it like i would prefer to own them digitally digitally but like if you're going to make it cheaper for me to buy the disc then i'm <laughs> guess i'm going to do that those frugal quintal bros <laughs> <laughs> but if because Amazon Prime does that also. Amazon right. gives you a discount if you to purchase a game if you do it way in advance. But if that wasn't a thing, you probably wouldn't own physical media. Yeah, I mean, unless like the only th- time I would consider that is like a special edition of a game, and then I it probably would not be something I would even want to open, which is weird. Like to just have like a copy of all of the Gears of War. Or like the latest copy of Madden with with Gronk on the cover, would be sort of cool. Um, but yeah, and most of the time, like digital is is so much easier. You can have it as soon as it comes out, and it's always in your library. Disc can't get scratched or anything like that. Yeah, that's the thing that I was thinking about when the music industry went from discs to digital. The price of music came down. Mm-hmm. We've in the world of video games we've gone from disc to digital to holding on to discs 
but the price hasn't come down. Yeah. So I'm like, it does cost a lot. It costs money to print discs, put them down, yeah. ship them out. Just eliminating that cost will bring down the price of games to forty, fifty dollars, and then that will make purchasing DLC so much easier. But then you've got these big retailers like Amazon and Best Buy going, huh, "Wait a minute, J.K. Uh, we'll give you a discount if you buy the physical copy that has a digital code, anyways." Yeah, so it's like it cheaper to no buy sense. the physical one. No, you're right. Like, why? Like, exactly. Like, the, there is a definite cost, and I don't. I by no means is it a, a large portion of the sixty bucks that I'm spending, but there's a definite cost of printing that thing on a disc and putting it in a box and shipping it. And I'm not. None of the savings of that cost by buying it digitally are coming to me, the consumer. Like, who, who's getting all those savings? I mean, it's, I think you know who, but. It's only weird because we have both options available. Like to your point where like games should be cheaper because they've gone digital. Like like we pointed out earlier, games have been $60 for so long. Like just by inflation, they should probably be $70 or so at this point. So I I think the only reason it seems weird is that like places like Amazon and Best Buy are doing these things to incentivize you to buy from them for cheaper for the same thing. Yeah, for sure. It's a wild, wild and, world of pricing. I know. It just, the math doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. I but <laughs> it just really, I was just like, wait a minute. Do we, do we have physical media? What? I, I, I think, I think it's that they've targeted like an audience that like, even, even when we do the math, we just don't care. <laughs> like we're going to, we're going to give you that 60 bucks regardless. Like you've you've We're, tapped into our guilty pleasures, and we will, we will bow down to you. I know millennials. We're terrible. <laughs> Speaking of terrible, ooh, <laughs> uh-huh. this is where I talk about Ryan. Aha! Uh-huh, sorry, <laughs> Ryan. We love you. That's the best but, part about Ryan not being on the show is we get to say things about him. Ryan, our wonderful professor, teacher. Do we want to call him that? Professor, we, we, ta- we take it back. I take it back. <laughs> Uh, he did give us a task to do, and we had to pick our game for the action-adventure genre, which is a lot more difficult than I had anticipated. Yeah, hor- horror was a much easier to genre to like uh, to reduce the, like the number of games you could pick from. Action-adventure just seems so broad. It's like everything. Curtis, since you don't have to do this, we want to get your... Most memorable action-adventure game and why? Most memorable ever is too difficult of a question for me, so what I'm going to answer is most memorable in recent years. That's I fair. Guess. That's totally fair. Um, I don't know if this is a fair answer I'm going because I play them all at the same time. I'm going to go with the Uncharted series. Ooh, good choice. No spoilers. No, I won't. <laughs> you'll know, won't you'll know why in a second. Here. No spoilers. But uh, the fourth one came out recently, and the collection of the first three had been out for a while and I got my hands on them in the past few months and I think I beat all of them in the matter of a couple weeks and they're they're just great games I mean as far as like gameplay they're not close to the best I've played but just the story (laughs) is so good that it drives you through to play four straight games yeah well I maybe that's a testament to like the action adventure genre is that a lot of it is so like story driven that it can it, those games that like we remember can sort of like fail a little bit on the gameplay mechanics, but as long as their story like 
holds holds true then what what um which of them would you pull out as like your favorite or most memorable or is it all just kind of like bled together into one continuous story it i mean i want to say the fourth one and that's i think the only reason i'm saying that is because a big part of those games for me and we're enjoying those types of games is like if they look really great then i'm mm-hmm. going to like them more um yeah and i'm sure the first three looked amazing at the time they came out but when i'm playing these games that came out so long ago today even the remastered version it just looks okay but mm-hmm. the fourth one is a beautiful game it's one of the still maybe the best looking game i've played to date yeah i think uh, uh at that awful playstation event where they announced the the ps4 pro and the the slim i think they used um uncharted 4 as their uh example of the hdr capabilities of the ps4 pro although that was one of those ones where they were like look now it's at hdr and i hadn't played the game and i was watching through the twitch stream so i couldn't like see any of that crap anyways and i was like oh cool i i i I guess i'll pretend that i'm looking at something that looks cooler than it did before um but yeah i've heard that that game is absolutely stunning yeah it's it's there was a a lot of drake cosplay is that I'm not Drake surprised. from it's... the Uncharted series or Drake the <laughs> No, Nathan Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series. There was a Kanye West. At least we hope he was a Kanye West. But a lot of a lot of Drake and some people like they got the scarf, they got the half tuck t shirt. Yeah. Some Lara Crofts. It was cool. Well then I uh I guess that's a that's a good segue for, for me to talk about my choice. Um yeah, so uh, as, as Sandy mentioned, our, our homework for the month of October is to play an action-adventure uh, genre game. And we sort of threw... We, we have a great um, group chat for, for the hosts on Pixels Weekly, and we sort of started like peppering that chat with some different ideas that we had about games we wanted to play. And through Ryan's iron fist, we very quickly learned what he meant by action-adventure, because like, my first <laughs> five choices got totally vetoed. <laughs> um, but uh, it... It, it seems like what we're talking about here is your sort of like traditional third person story driven cutscenes, some form of like combat mechanic and maybe some like puzzle platform ish solving type stuff. Um, so I have chosen uh, the first Uncharted game, uh, Drake's Fortune, I think it's called. Right. Mm-hmm. And yes. that was originally released for the PlayStation 3. And I was a Xbox 360 person and I never got a chance to play the Uncharted series. So when four launched most recently and there was all the hubbub about it as a playstation 4 owner i didn't really uh react to that at all because i hadn't played any of the previous ones and it seems like that is a game where you definitely want to play all of them in order i I don't yeah so i never felt like i was going to get a whole lot of value from playing uncharted 4 um so uh now that like you said there's the the um uncharted nathan's collection or whatever it's called yeah, the Nathan Drake collection. The Nathan Drake collection, yes. So that contains one through three, which are remastered. At least the first one's remastered. I don't know if they're all remastered. Yeah, I believe um, the first two are. Yeah, and then the third one's more recent, so they don't need to remaster that. Uh, so I'm going to play Uncharted 1 from the Nathan's Drake collection, and uh, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I've just heard such fantastic things about that game and its story, and... As anyone who listens to me ramble on about things like Virginia knows, I love a story-driven game, and I love a fantastic story in a game. So I think uh, my hypothesis is that I will thoroughly enjoy this, and hopefully it will lead me to play 2, 3, and then, of course, 4. 
maybe before our end of the year game of the year discussion because it sounds like that's on a lot of people's lists but yeah that's my pick uncharted one i'm excited my pick is totally random i wanted to play um song of the, song of the deep which was developed by insomniac games but it's actually published by gamestop and their publishing branch is called game trust games which it's a it's an interesting title mm. game trust games yeah. I don't trust GameStop, and the reason I, was about I don't to trust say. GameStop, <laughs> nobody does. <laughs> it's they they're really frustrating, and I like that they've been bought by ThinkGeek because it makes my shopping a little bit easier for certain things. I remember going to GameStop and going, "I want the latest Cooking Mama." I really like the Cooking Mama series. <laughs> it's, she gets so mad. <laughs> When you mess up a recipe, I can't and believe someone's actually most, said that. Though. That's that's awesome. It's the most <laughs> ludicrous thing ever, and I I was like, okay, it just came out. I have it for my. I want it for my 3ds. I want Cooking Mama, and he's like, I can give you this used copy at a discount. And I'm like, how do you have a used copy? This game was just released today, and he's like, it's the only copy I have. And I'm like, oh really? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you it to you at a, a discount instead of like the forty bucks you pay thirty five, and I was like, "How what about savings?" Yeah, I know. I was like, "How about no?" And I went to Target and I bought a brand new copy. And I'm like, "Why are you giving me such a hard time?" Yeah, I just want the latest Cooking Mama, <laughs> but my Cooking Mama rant. But this game, it looks interesting. The reviews are kind of mixed. It's got a, a middle of the road score. And what I've heard, it starts off really great, and it's really pretty, but it kind of just falls meh. I want to see if it's true. Yeah, I think I think mixed review games are like a fan. They're a daring pick because you get to sort of make up your mind on it. Whereas you know my pick is sort of a, a, a cheat because that thing's got like a ninety-one on Metacritic, right? And so. The chances of me coming away from it being like, oh, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. They're probably pretty low. Um, but I like the idea of you tackling something that uh, sort of has gone in, in either direction as far as reviews go. I'm looking at the screenshots right now. It's definitely visually compelling and interesting. I also just don't know anything about the game, so I w- I'm pumped to hear you talk about it. Yeah, I just know the reviews are middle of the road. Games out published it, and let's go. So then I That's- think, I think for... Uh, for Yannick and Ryan, uh, we're going to do some fancy audio editing because we're so fancy here. Actually, Ryan is so fancy here. So without further ado, Mr. Guillemot and Mr. Quintal, what do you got for us? Noobs don't know about 1080p. Crystal clear. 60 frames a second. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> So the game that I'm the game that I'm game that I'm excited to play the game that I've chosen for the adventure uh, game review of mine uh, will be uh, a game that once again just like Resident Evil that I picked last month is a remastered version is on PS4 and is a game that when it came out I never I didn't really pay attention to it a lot of my friends a lot of my friend gamer friends were playing it but nobody. Um, really brought a big spotlight on it early on and uh, I kind of missed the train and I let it go and um, so I'm glad we're we're 
starting this series on adventure games and I will uh, go ahead and play the most that I can on The Last of Us remastered review The Last of Us, the remastered version, sorry and um, yeah, really excited to play it developed by Naughty Dog Um, review speaks for themselves Uh, 10 out of 10 on IGN we love to laugh about that but it's actually happening for this game uh, 95% on Meta Metacritic, uh, for what I've seen, um, came out in 2014, two years ago. Uh, but the game looks beautiful, remastered. Um, the storyline must be incredible, apparently. Um, and uh, and I feel like I don't know what I'm missing, so I'm excited to dive in. I hope everybody will uh, enjoy my review. I hope I get a better grade this time. Uh, I, yeah, I, I hope I, I will learn from my lessons and 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 do a better job with my homework. Uh, so I'm excited to go ahead and play it. And uh, I know some people will check me out on the stream. I know people, to, I know people that said if if I were to choose The Last of Us, um, they would come and watch um, my playthrough. So I'm also looking forward to that once again streaming uh, and have people checking it out. Um, so I invite everyone to come and join uh, twitch.tv slash Brooklyn Mustache. I'm not sure yet when I'm going to stream it. So just follow my Twitter, Yan underscore Guillermo, and it will, uh, I will inform everyone um, when I will go live and, and test that out. I'm excited, and I'm excited to see uh, the, others member, the other members um, play through review as well. Hey! What up, nerds? It's Ryan. Now, I've been called a lot of things on this show today. I've been called Dad, which I don't know how I feel about, although I guess I'll be a little bit older the next time we all meet. And uh, I've been called, uh, what, a professor? Although Curtis tried to deny that. I just, uh, I will say this. Apparently, when I'm gone off the show, uh, it becomes like an NPR show or something around here. <laughs> anyway, the mission here is to play a game that we haven't played before, and I am going to play Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yes, not the PS4 version. I actually have it on Xbox. I've been sleeping on it for like a year, um, but it is back in the public consciousness again. So I'm going to play it and be able to review it with you guys. And uh, it should be good. Yeah, I haven't played it before. And I started it a little bit and want to get to the end so I can talk about it with you. But that's it. Let's finish up the show. I fully recognize with my travel schedule that uh, the the episodes have been going up a little bit later than usual. Uh, that has been ironed out and we're going to be back to a regular schedule uh, starting next week on, what is that, October 17th uh, will be the next episode of the show. And... Um, yeah, we should be delivering them regularly from there and hopefully everyone back and uh, talking again and getting us through this fall of a bunch of video games. But thanks so much for listening. And uh, that's it for me and Yannick. And let's go back to uh, these chill-ass mofos. Wow, that was great. <laughs> oh, wow. Fantastic choices. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, guys. You're really, really... going to love those games. Those games are going to be fantastic. We really appreciate you uh, uh, calling in with your uh, with your choices. All righty, Sandy. 
<laughs> Madam MC, Madam Giggles. Uh, you want to? Just like broke me. Just that it's so flat, and you're just like, wow. <laughs> oh, <I'm> just <laughs> oh, Ryan's gonna have a fun time with that one. Um, uh, Sandy, give us your plugs. Oh. Wrap us up here. Take us to the rest of the rest of the day. And this is the end of the show. And you guys can follow us on Twitter at PixelsCast, on Instagram at PixelsWeekly, and you can get every single episode free on oh, our website. Oh, free. Curtis, Pixels, you, Curtis, you know they're Pixels. free, right? What? I've been paying $3 for each one of these. <laughs> Straight up cash to your brother. Just 3 bucks every week. Just $3. <laughs> yeah, Curtis, time to, time to pay up. Premium <laughs> podcasts. I, I saw you listen to that episode. <laughs> It's th- it's actually three dollars in coffee. That's what it is. <laughs> righty. And we'll see you next time. We're supposed to say our goodbyes now. Yeah. So. Wait, st- stop the tape. Okay, it's Ryan again. Uh, I was editing the episode, and honestly, the end of the show, they don't know how to do it. So, <laughs> so I will start off. And I'll even add Yadikin for good measure, so it feels like home. Until next time. Aloha. Au revoir. Peace. All right, Sandy, you got this. And we'll see you next time.